Hi, and welcome to Data Futurology. In this podcast, we discuss how data is creating our future. Specifically, we cover applications of analytics, machine learning, and artificial intelligence. We discuss career tips for data scientists on how to lead and create value from data. And also, what are the current and future challenges in data science? In this podcast, we interview current leaders in the data space, such as heads of and directors of data science and data engineering, chief data scientists and chief data officers to find out straight from them what were the lessons they've learned in their careers which have helped them get to where they are today. My name is Felipe Flores and I have over 15 years experience in the data space where I've worked on everything from data warehousing to reporting and business intelligence to machine learning and artificial intelligence. I hope you enjoy this episode. Today we have a different type of episode. This is not an interview, but a presentation that I did in Melbourne. It was to about 300 data scientists. And the theme of the night was agile data science, which is a huge a passion of mine. In this episode and in the, in the presentation, you'll hear the productivity gains that an individual and a team can gain by using agile methods. We talk about how agile is imperfect, but very helpful. Uh, I discuss how I've tweaked agile to fit data science and deliver value with my teams. And I also bust uh, a few of the main myths around agile and uh, a lot, lot more. The, the show notes and the presentation slides are in datafuturology.com forward slash podcast forward slash eight, which is this episode number. And podcast there is singular. So just datafuturology.com forward slash podcast forward slash eight. I hope you enjoy this episode. All right, should we get started? Can everyone hear me? Can they hear me at the back? Oh, good? Good, thank you. Uh, so my name is Felipe Flores. I'm um, really excited to be here tonight. Tonight is um, my last night in Melbourne for a while. So uh, tomorrow morning I'm uh, going off on a six month honeymoon. <laughs> um, so we're very excited. Hey, thank you. <laughs> So that'll be, that'll be really great. We got a 7, 7 a.m. flight uh, to Japan. We'll be in Japan for two weeks. And then we're going to Spain. And we're going to cycle the Camino, which crosses Spain on the north. It's like 800 k's. So that's going to be like a month of cycling. And then we'll take it from there. Um, but I'm really excited to be here tonight uh, to talk to you guys about Agile, Agile Data Science. And um, just because so many people are saying now, you know, it's such a big buzzword and uh, everyone's getting on the bandwagon. I thought I'd put in Agile Data Science for machine learning, AI, blockchain, everything, everything and everything. So um, make sure that, yeah, let's do uh, some buzzword bingo um, and um, make sure that we enjoy it. So I'm, I'm uh, I gotta admit, like I'm quite biased. I'm a huge fan of Agile. I've, um, it's done wonders for, for my career. Uh, I think it's totally imperfect and it's given me heaps of pain, uh, but that's uh, I've been outweighed by the benefits uh, that I've been able to get and that my teams have been able to get, uh, teams that I've been a part of. So I'm really excited to, to share with you guys. Um, and oh, well, we're gonna do Q&A afterwards, but um, so anyway, well, Phil told me to make sure you hang on to your questions uh, for, for the next bit, because the three presenters are gonna do joint Q&A. But in, look, in my last recent, uh, in my last role, so I recently left ANZ, which is uh, where I was head of data science for institutional. I uh, had a team of about 30 people. Uh, a lot of people are here tonight. And um, we, um, they were doing excellent work and I was very fortunate to front uh, a lot of the excellent work. Uh, and it was only a couple months ago that I was in front of about 12 um, government officials and um, I wasn't handcuffed and I wasn't going to court or anything like that, um, but I was, I was fronting the work of the team, right? And 
they, um, they had done some really interesting analysis for actually some of the biggest tenders in ANZ's history. So ANZ is about almost 200 years old, and um, some of the biggest deals that ANZ has ever had as part of the, the tender presentation, as part of the pitch, 90% um, of the time was spent talking about analytics. And uh, we were able to get that result by using Agile. Uh, three years before, there was no team. Uh, the guys built it all, did it by, by themselves. And anyway, it's one of the reasons why I love it. I love it. The second reason is because what we do as data scientists, the truth is um, that nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody cares about your accuracy, about your models, uh, about the software engineering part. Nobody, can I swear? Can I swear in these things? <laughs> Nobody gives a shit about your work. And um, in, in my career, uh, I've found that Agile is one of the key building blocks to help you uh, make sure that your, your output is closely aligned with what people actually care about, which is the benefit for them the good old what's in it for me, right? So people want stuff that is gonna make them look good, that is gonna get them sales, that's gonna get them customers. Those are the things in people's minds. What's the accuracy of your model? Like, what language did you write it in? Is it machine learning or is it just a SQL query? Nobody gives a shit. <laughs> so, so anyway, I've, I've found this as a really good way to, to bridge the gap. Um, and I'm excited to share it with you guys. So before we start, just to make sure that our brains are uh, turned on and working, I wanted to ask you, by uh, what, rate, what ratio do you think that the fastest students outpace the slowest students if both of them get the same result? So essentially, you have two people that in an exam got the same mark. One person had to study a lot, and one person studied a little to get that same mark. How much faster is the faster person compared to the slow one? So yeah, good, we'll, we'll do a, we'll do a um, show of hands. So who thinks it's uh, three times faster? Good, maybe 20%, good. Um, who thinks it's five times faster? Okay, a bit more. Who thinks it's 10 times faster? All right, yeah, maybe 20%, yeah. Uh, who thinks it's 25 times faster? Okay, a bit less. And who thinks it's 200 times faster? Hey, nice one, these guys. You know, it's because they're smart, they know the difference. <laughs> um, so this was done uh, with, I think it was about 2,000 people or three, yeah, two and a half uh, thousand people at Yale. The answer is 10 times. This is a follow-up study. We should do it. <laughs> We're looking for volunteers for a study. No. Um, so 10 times faster when you think at an individual perspective, right? So two people can achieve the same outcome. The, the difference in uh, time and speed is 10 times. Now have a look at the numbers, and I'm going to change it to the next one. This is part two. And we go from focusing on, team, on individuals to focusing on teams. So if we look at two teams that have achieved the same result, how much faster is the faster team compared to the slower team? If you compare the numbers, we go up already as a baseline for all the answers, we go up by 10 times. So that's gotta give you a hint. So let's do a show of hands. Um, who thinks it's 30 times, the faster team is 30 times faster than the slowest team? Who thinks it's 30? One person, two people, ah, oh, handful, nice. Who thinks um, the faster team is 50 times faster? Okay, a bit more, maybe 10%. Uh, who thinks the faster team is 100 times faster? All right, yeah, 20, 20%. Um, who thinks it's 250 times faster? Yeah, 250, 250, oh, lots of hands over here. Uh, some of the people who got the last one right are saying 250, mm. And um, last one, who thinks the faster team is 2,000 times faster? 
Five people. All right. Well, um, so this was uh, from an IBM study that they did over almost 4,000 projects. It wasn't all technology projects, and they were, and no, they were not IBM only projects. Uh, Phil and I worked at IBM, so um, we know. But um, they, so these projects are across uh, finance and arts and everything. And interesting, I really want to tell you that the answer is 2,000 times faster. Amazing, amazing. Like, if in my mind, we spoke about nobody gives a shit about your work and what you actually do unless there's something in it for them, number one. Number two, these are some of the efficiency gains that you can get by implementing methods like this. Now, it's not easy, it's not a silver bullet, it's not a perfect system, none of that. Yuval and I were just talking like literally just before about how a big part of what is Agile and the Agile framework is just shit. Huge part, right? Sorry, Phil said that I was gonna tell you the truth. Too much truth? <laughs> tell me when to dial down. Um, a, a lot of it is, is imposing and it's contradictory, right? But there's so much there that can be super beneficial, especially when you combine it with, um, with some other interesting frameworks out there, but this is one of the, one of the core ones. Another thing that I've heard a lot is, hey, data science, we're agile, we do this. We got it, right? And yes, it's true. And to a great degree, like the way that I think about it is, data science is almost agile squared. In the sense that in agile, you don't really know where you're going, but you kind of know what you're gonna do to get there. In data science, you don't know where you're going, you don't know what output you're gonna get, and you kind of don't know how you're gonna get there. What are you gonna do? You're gonna try this, you're gonna try that, you're walking in the dark, right? So agile squared, and like the difficulty is just way more exponential. So therefore, it's in our DNA, right? As we grow up as data scientists, it's in there, we do it day in, day out. But the important thing here is that knowing the theory is gonna help fill the gaps, give us a much better foundation than what we've had just through experimental um, and experience. And the second one is goes back to, um, to my point just before about the team effectiveness. Whether you want to be a technician and you want to be you know, the best data scientist, the best machine learning engineer out there, or whether you want to lead a team, both of these, journeys can be fueled and can be improved uh, through these practices and it'll help you have a broader impact in your organization, which is um, my yeah, second point, the effectiveness point, and um, yeah, keen to share it with you guys. Who's seen Doctor Strange? Any Marvel fans? I'm a huge Marvel fan. I've watched all the movies several times. Um, yeah, I, I literally, um, I almost don't watch any other movies, just like superhero movies, and that's it. So um, in, in Doctor Strange, he, he goes to the Ancient One or the Sorcerer Supreme, and um, he sees you know, how amazing she is, all this wealth of experience and all the powers that she has, and he goes, how do I get from here to there? How do I become you? And she goes, how did you become a doctor? And he goes, study and practice, years of it. Data science is the same for this stuff, for Agile, it's the same. Um, it takes, sometimes it feels like it takes a long while to, to work out the, the intricacies and the bits to apply and not apply and when. Uh, it's a really interesting journey and just like data science. So um, I know you guys are well versed on the perseverance and the, the efforts. So uh, with a bit of background, you know, um, Vader and Eric touched on this before. Uh, first of all, in any good story, we have an antagonist, um, a powerful force that we have to fight against, that we have to rise up and defeat. In this case, uh, you guys have seen it, it's, uh, it's wonderful. So, it's, it pisses me off. It's, um, <laughs> it pisses me off so much because um, 
It's been the default way of working for the longest time. Uh, a lot of people claim, rightfully actually, that um, it's the way that um, the NASA used to work, right? So some of the first space programs and some of the first uh, rockets and uh, that were launched into space were used. Uh, were using waterfall as a project management methodology, and as you know, as well as mere mortals uh, such as myself, when we when we hear NASA, we think that is top shit. Like that's exactly what we need to be doing. Let's adopt it. So I can totally see why this uh, spread like wildfire and became the benchmark. What nobody told us is that very quickly NASA moved away from this because they realized that it was a steaming pile of garbage. So the, the problem with it is that you have to plan everything up front. You can't change. Uh, and nobody can see into the future. Right? That's, um, that's pretty simple. And each of these colored squares, it's a, a stage gate where you do all the work for that box, being requirements, design, you do all of the requirement, and then you have a stage gate, and that gets approved or not by people imagining what this is gonna look like and do, and then they say, go ahead and go ahead to design, and then you draw it up, etc. and then people get together in a meeting, and they feel important, and they imagine this shit again, and then they go, Yep, what I imagine is totally cool. If it's different to what you imagine, what you imagine, who knows? How do we know? Nothing's real. And then what happens is that you get huge delays. Because obviously, as humans, we're terrible at uh, predicting how long tasks are going to take. We're terrible at forecasting what problems we're going to have. And... We try to fix this through experience. Yes, it helps, but it's it's a hugely imperfect system, um, a lot more imperfect than than agile. Um, and and these these are the type of projects where you would speak um, to technology or um, or to business, and you come to an agreement, and then people would disappear for three years, and then come back with it done, and people don't care about it. It's not a problem anymore. <laughs> Uh, and what has been done can go straight to the garbage uh, because it doesn't hit the mark. Now, uh, I have there below the enemy that uh, chopping this process up into two-week sprints does not make you agile. Um, and what I mean by that is the rigidity of it, right? The fact that you decide something at the beginning and it will carry largely unchanged towards the end. So if you decide something up front and you say, hey, we're doing this because three months ago or three weeks ago or three years ago, it was decided that we were going to do this, then you're not doing agile. And if somebody's telling you to do that, because to do something because it was decided before, then they're not doing agile, even though they might be saying they're doing agile because it's a buzzword and everyone's on the bandwagon. So then uh, maybe you can show them this guy. <laughs> so the most interesting man in the, in the world or the universe, what's his name? Um, yeah, I don't always do agile, but when I do, it's wonderful. And um, I gotta say, this was the, the first meme that I ever created. So I'm glad I got a couple of, la couple of like half-ass laughs, but I'll take it. Um, so I had to find a meme app, right? It has the pictures already, and then you put the text. And I was like, this guy looks, you know, pretty cocky. I've seen some of the memes. So um, don't, don't be this guy, right? Don't, um, don't hang out with him. And um, if somebody uh, that may not look like him, but that is imposing that on you, get out. <laughs> find somewhere else. Um, go to the good places. So as... as Data scientists, um, we are awesome, and we're super valued and in very high necessity. Sometimes organizations and teams makes us uh, feel like we have no other option to, rather than stay where we are, but uh, that's not the case. Uh, we're in very high demand and we're needed everywhere. We can um, 
essentially walk and um, show them with our actions that we're not going to stand uh, by shitty management. All right. So we spoke about the, the enemy in our story. Uh, well, let's, uh, let's get the short version on the protagonist, right? So um, this protagonist doesn't come along, uh, alone. So it's a, it's a team sport, much like data science. And uh, this is what, what um, when you look at the, the literature, these are some of the uh, key points, right? And we'll go into a little bit more depth and then I'll give you my take. But the, the first one there is that uh, agile teams are autonomous. So what we mean by that is that they're self-managing and self-sufficient. So the self-sufficient part, it means that all the skills that you need to deliver this project end-to-end, -end, you have them in the room. Everyone's looking at each other's face, right? And saying, hey, I know a bit, you know a bit, you know a bit, you know a bit, let's do this thing, right? That's the self-sufficient part, and all the bits that we know put together, it can get us from nothing to project completion. Self-sufficient. The second part, is about self-managing. Nobody's telling you what to do, when to do it. The idea, one of the key principles uh, behind Agile, one of the ones that I really love, is that you take smart, motivated people that want to make a difference, you give them what the, the direction is. This is what we want to tackle, guys. These are the people that will benefit from you doing this work. Go forth, right? And as a, as a leader, as a manager, you go, I'm here to help you get, get through this journey as quickly as possible, and I'm gonna feed off, uh, get rid of roadblocks, and I'm gonna feed off people that are trying to pull you in the wrong direction. But what you do, how you tackle it, how you solve the problems, autonomous, self-managing. You guys arrange yourself, work it out. It's really empowering and um, from what I've seen, people really love working like that because you might be you know, a fresh grad on day one, scared shitless, and then they go, here's a problem, figure it out, come back to me in a couple of days. And they go, ah! But the idea is that it's a team sport, right? The manager, the scrum master, product owner, whatever the, the title is, they're not gonna be feeding the answers. But as a team, you can, you can get there. And uh, we'll talk more about the, the manager role in a bit. Um, iterative, this is, this is one of my, uh, one of the bits that I don't really like or agree about Agile. Um, if you look at the literature, what it actually says is iterative, they consider because at every sprint, be it like one to four weeks, every defined sprint, you're producing a piece of software that the customer can use that solve, uh, solves a small sliver of their problem, right? That's, that's the iterative part, and they say, look, try to make that little sliver done as well as possible. Make it quality. Comes up in a little bit uh, later when we look at the values and the principles. But the principle there is to make it quality, <coughs> right, from the start. And I go, well, yeah, that's really a nice dream. But we don't know, we don't know, this is where we go back to data science being agile squared, right? We don't know what we're doing, how we're gonna solve this problem, and we don't know really what the solution to the problem really is. So, anyway, my take on, on iterative is, like make something really shitty, really quickly, go and show it to people and get feedback, which goes opposite to like make it really high quality and really excellent, and I'm like, don't even bother. Um, Adaptive, so that goes against um, our enemy that we saw before. So the enemy is rigid from start to end, no changes. Agile, what we want is we take a step and we go, hey, we're going the wrong way, so we change direction, right? Not like, hey, last step, we decided that we're gonna go walk this way, so now we're gonna keep walking this way and keep avoiding our target, which is over there. So adaptive, at any point in time, you change. Uh, Self-improving. You want to put, one of the few processes that I agree with is putting um, in retrospectives and um, 
Look, it doesn't have to have the formal name, but what you want is in, when you do a small increment, a small piece of work, you want to reflect on it, right? As a team and say, what did we do well? What could we have done better? How do we do better next time? And you constantly want to be looking for those improvements. The benefit that that gives you is when you pair it up with the, um, well, with all the others that come before it, but especially with the iterative, is that with the iterative nature, it's like you're doing heaps of projects in a small amount of time. So beforehand, when projects were really long, you had to wait till you went past a, a stage or at the end of the project to say, hey, what could we have done better you know, two years ago when we were in the design phase of this project? Really hard, right? But if you condense that project to a two-week period and you go, hey, we kind of missed the mark on what we were hoping to deliver this sprint. We delivered some stuff of what we wanted, others we didn't. What can we do better in the next two weeks? That starts to snowball and make you uh, a lot more effective as a, as a team. You, you have to constantly be doing this as an individual, as a team, uh, ideally on a daily basis. And then the last one there is customer focused. Uh, so you want to be in direct contact with customers. And I say customers, plural. One of the things that I don't like is that the, in teams, there's often like the one person, sometimes called the product owner, is the one person that can talk to people and that they go off and they speak to business and they, they know, business knows exactly what they want and then you have this translator which is just the one person, right? So we are data scientists, we want to be getting data. It's multiple points, right? You're never gonna build a model with just like information from one source. So you want to have multiple sources, you want to ideally stage gate it and start with a small group that are ideally as homogeneous as possible and then so you can work on something small and defined and then expand from there. But um, ideally everyone should be speaking with customers in front of people. And getting feedback and validation for your work, right? It's not, it's not about doing your work and then you hand it off, hand the, the button over to somebody else that takes it and, um, and then they come and, and tell you what happened. No, you want to be there and see like the wide in the eyes of, your, of the customer when you show them your work or when you discuss it with them. You want to see the, uh, the effect that your work is having. Can you give an example how they apply those uh, steps? 100%. So uh, I'll tell you about my, um, in my last role. So while working at ANZ, there's, um, so there's a lot of people here from, from the team, which is fantastic. There's actually one sitting right next to you. So uh, really good question. <laughs> so for example, in the division of ANZ where we worked, it's uh, in institutional. And before going into ANZ, I never worked in banking. And somebody said, hey, we have this role in institutional. I go, great, I don't even know what that means. Um, and what it means is that the customers are big corporations. So our, we, don't, we, don't, we didn't look at, um, we didn't deal with individuals and we didn't deal with small businesses. They were all publicly listed, list, uh, publicly listed companies, multinationals, and government organizations. What we would do is analyze data um, about our customers' customers. We would use data from the retail side, and we would go and tell these businesses about uh, their customers' behaviors um, and how they can improve their business, right? We would work in actually um, one-week sprints when we got our flow going, we would work on one-week sprints. Uh, not, not the whole team was working on the same rhythm because you have sort of different sub-teams within the team, especially as we grew. So sometimes you would have two to three people in a project, sometimes you would have seven to nine people in a project. Usually, and this is where like the process is not perfect and we are not doing it perfect every time, but usually we tried to do a project kickoff where we would spend like 15, 20 minutes on saying, hey team, this is the aim, uh, this is the problem, business problem that we're trying to solve. This is what I've thought so far. Please let me know if you have any other ideas on how we can do it better. So you get sort of the collective learning. 
if you look at the literature, they say that those meetings go from like 45 minutes to two hours. And I'm like, the, ah, nobody's got time for that. So uh, 15, 20 minutes in, out. And then uh, the small project team would work autonomously. And we would get feedback uh, first from people in the team that, were, that came from different parts of the bank. Then we would get feedback from the banker, which uh, in, in banking, they're the salesperson, so they have the direct customer contact. And then we would go to the client meetings. So people that started in the team, you know, straight out of uh, university, coming with masters or PhDs, they come in, they do six weeks, eight weeks worth of work, right? And then they would be put in front of the customer, where among all the work that we're showing, they, their work was there, right? And then, um, in the first couple of meetings, a more senior person would describe it. Further on in later meetings, they would describe their part with a view that later on um, they would describe the whole part, like the, the data scientist. And we worked really hard on getting the, the consultative approach uh, going with the clients. And then they got to explain their work in you know, simple language or a language that business could understand. And they got to see directly what really hit the mark and what didn't. And because there were short projects, we could improve that with a tight feedback loop. That didn't mean that we were spending a month or longer before getting that feedback. We were, and doing heaps of those one, one after the other, it meant that we got better and better and better uh, very quickly. Yeah. Hey, that's right. <laughs> First day. Love it. Love it. This is um, so direct with customers, right? And customers, um, obviously for us, a big part of that is getting the data, uh, but you, you definitely, definitely, definitely must see people's faces, people's reactions to your work. You, like, they can't lie, right? The face doesn't lie and you just go, that was shit, that was great. You know, straight away. Um, these are the Agile values. So um, we covered them in uh, the presentations before. Um, and essentially, when, when I think about them is when you have to make a decision, right? Especially as you're trying to transition maybe into this way of working, whenever you hit a point where you go, oh, I don't really know what to do. Like, should we spend more time documenting this or should we spend more time working on it? The answer is working on it, right? But it's like, oh, I don't, I don't really trust this customer. I don't really know what they're gonna ask for. So we might as well get it written down into a contract or requirements document, document and get them to sign off on it. Because then if we build that and they don't like it, we can say, hey, but you signed up to it. How much distance are you creating between your customer and yourself by doing that process? Right, it's huge. Like everyone's gonna feel alienated. We're all humans, right? Like we're all people. We're all just, like you just have to be real. So we go, hey, how about we we work on this stuff together? We're, I'm gonna give you uh, increments and new work every week, and then if you don't like it, you tell me, I change it, and then we're gonna get there together, right? That's uh, the collaboration piece. Uh, responding to change, similar to what I was saying before. Uh, it's not about what you agreed three, three years ago, three months ago, um, that you can almost throw it out the window uh, and you want to be responding to, to the change. I'll go really quickly through the principles, which are a lot more extensive. Um, but in general, what they, what they say is delight your customers. That usually goes with giving them fast and um, fast feedback and things to, that they can um, point at and play with. Because what we were talking before about some of the attributes of the enemy is that everyone has the work in their mind, right? So then in this case, what you wanna do is give people something that people can get their hands on and click around with quickly. You want to give them that quickly so you can point and say, hey, I don't understand this bit. Can we change it to be like that? and you're both looking at the same thing, so nobody's imagining it's quite, it's quite clear. You wanna be uh, delivering that frequently, take changes at any point, um, people working together, they're number four. Um, it's autonomous. Number five, 
face-to-face, -face, like this number six, make sure that you're conveying information face-to-face. -face. I think this is something that uh, it's not the, usually it's not the natural reaction for us as data scientists. We, uh, we prefer, and like, fuck, I do it all the time. Like, I prefer the email, prefer the, um, you know, the text message. Um, and then, and then after that, I kind of sometimes prefer the call and then only last resort, if I really have to, I'll get off my chair and go find the person and tap them on the shoulder, right? Um, we have to invert that. We have to, even if somebody, you know, is sitting next floor up, right behind you, uh, go and have that face-to-face -face conversation first and then send the email with saying, as discussed, blah, blah, blah. This is what we got. Uh, it just... It's, it's a lubricant uh, for, for social interactions, uh, second best to alcohol, so use it as much as possible. Uh, don't drink as much, but uh, this, use it all the time. Um, and then working software, that's what we want to be giving customers all the time, because that gets them excited, gets them on the journey. Um, this usually means, forces you to meet customers where they are, instead of you starting where you are which is way, way, like leagues more advanced than where they are. So that huge discrepancy creates a lot of tension. But if you show them something, you're gonna know very quickly if they get excited by that or not. And then you will adjust. You will meet them where they are and you'll take them to where you think that they need to go. Um, sustainable development, that's a really uh, tricky one where in waterfall, usually projects are quite late and then you have the crunch where people have to work really long hours. In agile, you, generally when you do a sprint planning and you're quite fixed about it, same thing happens. There's some other methods, uh, the guy spoke about them before, uh, Kanban in particular, and I'll talk about a little bit about that, how you can maintain a constant <laughs> flow of work. Uh, technical excellence, ignore that one. We spoke about that before. Number 10, uh, simplicity. That's a really good one, and I think quite contrary to what we usually tend to want to do, generally we want to do the best possible work from the in the first go, because that's how we were taught at school and university that we only had one shot, and it had to be the best thing ever, uh, or we were total failures. This totally reverses that and says, at each iteration, you want to be doing the least amount of work. The least, like, get lazy, <laughs> right? This is like your free card. Um, we all, yeah, wanna be awesome, and we are awesome, just be lazy, do as little as you can, go take it out, get feedback, learn quickly. Uh, team self-organized, we spoke about that, and we regularly uh, think about uh, and reflect how we've done. I'll go quickly through these. This is um, same as what the guys spoke about before, Scrum, Kanban, and the mix. Um, so obviously the, the big problems here, I might step away. Let me know if you can't hear me. Changes to scope, uh, they have the, generally customer has to wait. Bullshit, no way. Um, this is quite well structured, etc. A lot of good stuff, these, these sort of bits uh, are too fixed and it's generally, I see it as a mini, almost like a mini waterfall uh, approach. In Kanban, the, the biggest difference in, in my view is that with Kanban, you have a big list of tasks that you want to do, uh, and you literally, it gets reprioritized all the time. And if you, as a member of that team, have some time to work on a task, you go and grab the one at the top, or the one towards the top that you can do best, right? And then, that's where it gets really agile. In Scrum, generally, you gotta plan two weeks or a month. Some people do it even longer. Some people do 10 weeks of plans, right? And then they go, we're agile. No, right? Where you say like, we're gonna plan work for 10 weeks and we can't change the scope because we're doing Scrum? Terrible, terrible, right? What you wanna be doing in my view, is closer to, to Kanban for that. That's why I got the, the Scrum ban and the guys uh, spoke about it as well, right? Because that's where it really gets agile. You're constantly communicating with the business, constantly doing releases, constantly doing feedback, getting feedback from customers, you're reprioritizing. 
and then you work on the most important thing, the, the next thing that's gonna give you the most value, and the way that you do that is by doing the least amount of work possible. So the reason why we're talking about this tonight is because there's so many things just in that little bit, there's so many things that are contradictory to normal thinking. And that's why, in, in my view, that's why it needs to be used, but not overhyped, and it can't keep being a, a buzzword. So Kanban, you generally work on the, um, on the most important thing. Uh, changes to work scope, yes. Uh, it's a lot less structured and hierarchical than Scrum, so roles as needed. And over here in the combination, uh, this is one of the better ones that I've seen, and I like it because this has marked in green where it's taken it from Kanban, and it's got these blue flags where it's taken it from Scrum. So if, um, yeah, if you guys are taking a picture, remember that. Uh, you can't really read those bits. But essentially, uh, we're doing Agile squared, which means we gotta be as agile as possible, work on the most important thing every day, the other thing that I really like about Kanban and the mix is that it gives you that consistently, consistent flow of work because you size the task as you pull it off the task list and you say, this is probably gonna take me half a day or a day and if not, it needs to be broken down into smaller tasks. So with that, you want, you're more able to keep a consistent pace of work in terms of hours worked um, and there's always a good amount of flow and you're always working on the right thing. Oh yes, my second meme. I'm super proud actually. Um, so obviously Willy Wonka, yeah, not working with customers. Mm, tell me again how agile you are. Um, love the, the sarcasm. Um, this is almost towards the end. My view, uh, find your flow. That's what I was saying with Kanban, that you can get into a steady flow. Find it, it's gonna be super rough at first and improve on it. Do those retrospectives. <laughs> Uh, think about how you're doing things, look back, look for improvements, do it as a team, it gets really fun, and implement everyone's ideas because that's where you get the maximum learning. Uh, second point, co-locate cross-functional teams. Uh, that's what I was saying before. Get everyone in the room, they can see each other, you have all the skills that you need from uh, not to go. Third one, uh, this is where a difference, it's a slight difference to traditional agile, where I said get evolving products to customers weekly or less, like I, if you can do two releases a week, push hard for it. It doesn't just happen, you gotta push hard for it. Um, and these are evolving products. So the first pass, it's gonna be really shit, second pass is gonna be a, a little bit less shit, and then less shit, right? And the way you judge that is through the customer feedback. This works if there is um, no product there at the moment, so, if there is nothing, if there's no model, if there's no software, if there's nothing, right? Whatever you do is gonna be better. It's gonna be better than nothing. Especially for the customer that has this problem. They've been, it, like probably have a manual workaround, they're in heaps of pain. Literally, if you spend half a day working on it and say, hey, I kinda came up with this script. Do you wanna give it a go? They'll be like, yes, please, I'll take it. Right, and then that's gonna give you feedback on which you can improve on. So the evolving part is uh, really important for me where it's not that excellence, technical excellence um, at the start and at every step because you never know the perfect product, it sort of evolves. Um, number four, leader and manager, leader or manager, sometimes called a scrum uh, master, sometimes product owner, whatever. Um, your role is that you work for the team. The team doesn't work for you, you work for them. So what I mean, what do I mean by that? It's like, what do you need? Like that's how you, you go to your team. What do you, what do you need? What, what's holding you back? Who's pissing you off? Who's not giving you what you need? Do you have what you have? Do you have everything, right? Like you gotta be like a good host, right? Like somebody's coming to your house and oh, I don't know, maybe if you're like a bit crazy, you're like, are you okay? Is a pillow comfy enough? Do you want some tea? Do you want some cake? Can I make something? <laughs> I'll turn on the oven, right? That, that, that's an extreme version of the attitude that you want as a, as a manager, because if somebody has a problem and they're sitting on the problem and not being able to move, nobody wins. So you want to be drawing that out of them and saying like, really, like, what can I do to help you? As long as people don't take advantage of that and be like, hey, I can't do any work, 
because you know, like that's really hard and I don't have the right data. I was like, okay, well, how do we find a workaround? Like let's, you keep moving and any roadblocks, your job is to get rid of them. Uh, and then the last one around issues, what we're talking about tonight is uh, you creating a system for your team uh, or for the way that you work. It's, a, it's a, essentially like a, a, a lightweight process. You know, Eric mentioned how this was seen as, as anarchists because it was so lightweight, right? You're creating this process, this system, and then like any machine, it, things are gonna flow through it and then you're gonna get an outcome, right? If that doesn't work, it's the system problem, as in you need to change the process, and you don't come up with all the solutions, the team helps you. You train people up on how to do that, and it's always your fault. Nobody else's, right? Like you have to take this full accountability, responsibility to go, hey, you know, like, that person that some maybe doesn't even report to you, but reports to somebody who reports to you, like they screwed up, you gotta think, shit, what could I have done better? What did I not think of? Or what did we not think of as a group? What is this new situation that maybe we didn't see before that now we have to adapt our processes for, right? You're not gonna be taking it out on another person and saying, that was shit, you're shit, get the fuck out. Nah, none of that. Right? Like, that is completely the opposite of uh, the standard that we want. Um, some of these books, uh, especially the Agile Data Science 2.0, I think that's what Eric mentioned. Um, these are uh, some of my favorites in this space. So the Agile Analytics is uh, an oldie but a goodie. It's, um, I think it was written maybe eight years ago or something. And, um, the guy, in my view, was one of the first that brought the traditional software uh, development agile processes into analytics, and um, this is sort of before data science, but um, that's what he did. Uh, the book is a e really easy read. Uh, I see it as a halfway point between the next two, where the red one, Scrum, is uh, very much a business book, so it's an even easier read. And then the Agile Data Science is a more of a technical one where um, they go into uh, some of the rules that Eric was showing uh, around, for example, like I love rule number three that he showed that every data science application needs to have a web front end and a web platform. And in that book, they do the end to end. And I really like how they talk up essentially all the points that Eric mentioned, um, especially around the, having generalist skills that makes you really, really valuable to your team, your organization, and it helps you um, come up to, to be a leader a lot quicker because you're thinking of uh, broader problems, especially if you start to think about um, strategic problems and customers and adding value. So these three, really, really good. Um, oh, we have one more thing. So as I mentioned, um, I'm about to go away, uh, six months, gonna be traveling a lot. And uh, what I'm gonna doing, be doing is I'm gonna be interviewing heads of data science, chief data scientists, and chief data officers, and I'm putting it in a podcast. So the podcast has launched. We have uh, three episodes up uh, as of this week, and uh, the things that we talk about is yeah, interesting applications in machine learning AI, uh, career tips for data scientists. I'm really passionate to get data scientists to take leadership positions, and I want you guys to be thinking broader than just leading in data science, because I think that the skills that we have are, would be so beneficial at an executive level, you know, in business, in government, in not-for-profit, uh, taking these analytically-driven decision-making um, everywhere. And those are the topics that I want to be discussing, that I'm gonna, that I already, I already started actually, so those are the topics that I'm discussing in the podcast. I'm interviewing these people. Um, usually they're like 90 minute interviews because it takes a while to get all the gold from these people. And what I, what I look for is like, what was your early days like? How did you get started? What challenges did you have along the way? How did you overcome those? How do you build a great team? What makes a great data science leader? How do you get to an executive level, right? So these are things that um, 
I've been getting a lot of questions like that on LinkedIn. Uh, LinkedIn messages, people saying, what skills do, should I learn? Uh, what, do, what skills do I need to get a job? Um, anyway, all those questions, I'm, I'm going to be asking all these people. So I have three podcasts out um, as of today, and they're on all those at the bottom, like Apple Podcasts. And the one that I use is Podcast Addict, so that middle one um, on Android. It's called Data Futurology. And uh, the tagline is data from a human lens. I focus on the, the human story and how they did it uh, because I think that in, in data science, it's such a big field, it's so technical, uh, nobody can know all of it. Therefore, we have a huge imposter syndrome. And I find that uh, like most people feel like they're not good enough and that's total bullshit. And I like what we were talking about with Dr. Strange, right? Asking the Sorcerer Supreme is like, how do I get from here to there? And then, she, and then she asked him the question, he works it out, like study and practice. Those are the tips that we're getting from these heads of data science, chief data officers and uh, chief data scientists about how they did it to get um, to those levels and then how they see it to get even further beyond so we can uh, have a bigger impact. So obviously I'm quite passionate about this. Um, and that's it, thanks a lot. I'm Felipe Flores and now we have the Q&A, is that right? Thank you. That brings this episode to conclusion. Thank you so much for listening. Please find us on datafuturology.com or on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or Instagram as datafuturology. Also go to datafuturology.com forward slash podcast to find the show notes for this and any other episodes. If you like this episode, it would mean a lot to us if you could leave us a review wherever you listen to our podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode and that it was helpful and valuable for you. Thanks again and see you next time.